1: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: This is The Athletic Football Show.
0: Welcome. Welcome the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today from ESPN, Matt Bowen. Matt, thank you very, very much for joining us today. What's going on, Robert? How are you? I love doing these with you. It seems like we get a couple of year in just digging into one topic that I always find interesting and you are just someone I love chewing on this stuff with. And one of the things I really wanted to dive into here early in the season is that all offseason, You know, all of free agency, all the lead up to the draft. The biggest conversation we had about player movement and team building was about these receiver trades. all of the movement. Just think about how many guys were traded. Tyreek Hill gets traded for a first, a second, multiple other picks. Devontae Adams goes for a first and a second to the Raiders. A.J. Brown gets traded for a first round pick to the Eagles. On a lesser note, you have Amari Cooper traded for a late pick. So many guys where these huge holes were given up because teams were like, we need one of these dudes. And then on the other side of this, you have the teams that those guys left and the holes that those players left and what has meant for their offenses. So that's what I want to do today. I want to talk about the teams that traded for these guys and what their returns have been like so far as we sit about a third, a quarter of the way into the season Mm -hmm. and then look at the teams that are facing life without
2: Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, what's interesting to me is Green Bay is the most interesting. I know we'll get to them, Robert, but just how they're going through such a major transition right now at the wide receiver position. One, because of the youth they have in their roster. Also, the youth in terms of availability. Christian Watson has been banged up, um, has not been healthy. So you haven't seen really a lot of growth with him, really a lot of use with him in the past game. Uh, But that's the one team that really jumps out to me because it's Aaron Rodgers right? Yeah. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's one of the, you know, the most natural thrower, in my opinion, since Dan Marino. And you just took away Devontae Adams, who's an absolute difference maker and a scheme transcendent player. I use that term scheme transcendent. What I mean, Robert, is you can put Devontae Adams in any pass game. doesn't matter. You want to throw intermediate routes? Okay. You want to press teams down the field out of the slot? You want to take the vertical outside one-on-ones? Okay. Whatever you want to do offensively, he can fit. So it's not a player you have to shape your offense around so to say. That he can fit with any style of quarterback because he is that talented and the hole that it is left in Green Bay and how they're trying to supplement that loss of production. You know, you can go back to the Sunday morning game we all watched when they played out in London against uh, the Giants. A lot of RPOs, right? A lot of RPOs, a lot of quicks, to get the football out. Now, obviously, that it can be tailored at times to the defensive coordinator and the amount of different looks and, and the multiple defensive backs the Giants use in that football game. But the ball's coming out of Aaron Rodgers' hands really quickly right now. And that tells you, you know, that's something we can get into another time. But how they're trying to adjust to not having one of the most dominant wide receivers we've seen over the last decade.
0: We're going to dig into that and all the ways that the Packers have had to try to tweak things, where they're struggling. I want to start with what's gone well. Let's talk about the Eagles and the Dolphins so far Mm -hmm. this season. So if you look at the list, top five EPA per dropback quarterbacks in the NFL so far. At the top, no surprises. Patrick Mahomes is the most efficient quarterback in football, which I guess it's somewhat surprising without Tyreek Hill, and we will get into that. Second is Josh Allen. You have these two guys that the note on which we left them last season in that game in Kansas City that we're going to see a rematch of on Sunday, they looked like the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. So that I think you can predict and understand. Third is Geno Smith. That's a whole different conversation that we can get into a different time. He's playing good football, though. He very much is. We've talked about it a lot on this show. We have loved watching him. Also in the top five, Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts. So at first glance, if we're just using that as the major metric here, how efficient are these passing games after these receiver moves have been made? These are successful. They have gotten huge boosts to them throwing the football by going out and making these moves. But I want it to be a little bit more nuanced than that. I want to kind of dig down one, two layers deeper into what this has looked like. And I want to start with Miami. When you think about the plan they've had for Tyreek Hill and how it has reshaped what their passing game looks like with Mike McDaniel and Tua, where do you think that starts?
2: It starts with the quarterback uh, because I think you you have to build your offense around the throwing trade to the quarterback, right? And If you look at what Tua is, he's a short to intermediate rhythm thrower who can deliver the ball at location and in accuracy, right? That's what he is. That's what you saw. You know, it doesn't mean he can't throw the ball down the field. No one is saying that. I'm saying what he does best is the ball ball is out with speed. It's thrown to the proper shoulder based on the leverage of the defensive back where the window was going to be. There's anticipation involved. You look at Tyreek Hill. I have the number right in front of me right now, Robert. I have down Tyreek Hill, air yards per target, at 9.64. Yeah. Okay. So that messes with what they do offensively. A lot of scheme concepts in Miami. A lot of crosses. A lot of overs. A lot of plays where Tyreek Kill can get those isolation matchups outside, and he's so sudden and fast off the football, and so threatening to a defensive back that if you are an, an off man or an, uh, off technique, let's say in cover three or even an outside quarter, you are going to open and run. And when you open and run, that allows him to throw, you know, to slam on the brakes, turn around, and run a curl, come back a short inbreak break or whatever it may be, because it can create that cushion for you. And again, that's a rhythm and timing throw for Tua. And I think when they can get explosive is using Tyreek Hill and obviously Jalen Waddle in that offense as highly productive players after the catch. Because again, that goes back to what Tua is. You can throw the crosser and it turns into a catch and run situation. You can throw the dig route. You can throw the skinny post, which we've seen with Jalen Waddle this year, and it turns into an explosive play. Now it's time to strike up the band and play the fight song, right? After throwing a 12 yard pass. <laughs> and I think that's what they want to do because they can still be heavily schemed. They can use motion, movement, both pre and post snap. They can use heavy play action, get the window they want. And Tua is going to put it there on time. And that's the thing to put it on time. And it's not, look, it's not easy uh, to throw to receivers who run four 240s. It's not, even on a crossing route, that's not easy to do. It's easy to miss those. And he doesn't very often. So I think it's a, it's a great use of personnel and explosive play personnel that fits into a heavily schemed or heavily defined throwing offense that also fits the traits of your quarterback.
0: I was bummed. Obviously, the Tua injury was upsetting mm-hmm. and unsettling on several different levels. But part of the reason that it was even more disappointing is that watching them early in that game, they are unbelievably compelling on offense right now when they have all of their pieces. When you watch that first half against Cincinnati, and I just, I, I've said this a hundred times. I absolutely love the next gen stats vision on the Thursday broadcast and being able to watch the all 22 in real time. And it's such a game changer. And you're watching the first quarter, first half of that game, what that offense feels like coming at you. I can't even imagine what it's like to prepare for them at this point because. What it does in terms of the fear it strikes in you from them pushing the ball down the field, but also the horizontal stretch that they create with all of that motion and the way they're using these guys, the space that they manufacture within that offense is unlike anything else in the league right now because of those two guys that they have in the way that they use Tyreek Hill. And Tua is so, so good at placing the ball into space, into condensed spaces. That's really what he does well. If you think about just all of the throws that he's fitting over linebackers on the second level of the defense, he works in that short area of the field well. That's what he does. And it's just a really good mesh of the plan, the personnel, and what the traits of the quarterback are. And that's what you've seen from them so far. You know, Tyreek is sixth in the NFL in target share. You know, he's getting 29% two two his targets right now. They are using him as much more than just a decoy, but they're using him as an underneath threat as much as a deep one. And that's what I wasn't sure about coming into the season, what it would ultimately look like. His deployment, how they would use him as a receiver, how they would use him as a space creator and someone with gravity. And it all seems to be coming together in a
2: really cool way when all of those guys are on the field. I agree. And, you know, and... Looking at this from a broad scope, it's about efficiency as a passing offense as well, right? And that brings up a great point of what you said is deployment because all summer we heard about, well, how are they going to throw the deep ball? You know, how many teams really throw deep balls? It's consistent. Not many anymore. <laughs> no. I mean, this isn't drop back and throw the ball 45, 50 yards down the field. That's not how you win football games. It's not efficient. That is low percentage passing. And look, everyone schemes their verticals. We see that. And those, I call them shot plays. When you have the field position, when you have the game situation, when you want to take a shot over the top of the defense, everyone has that, but it's more about efficiency. You use the term horizontal stretch. I agree with you. And the thing I will always say about playing that offense, and that offense goes back to Kyle Shanahan, and it goes back to Matt LaFleur, and it goes to Sean McVay, is how much stress they put on your eyes as a defensive player. Yeah. Because all that motion and movement causes hesitation. And as a football player on Friday nights, you can get away with hesitation and recovery, sometimes on Saturdays, but not on Sundays in the NFL. You just can't. You take a false step, you take a poor run read um, or a poor pass read uh, off your initial alignment, you are not going to catch up to Tyreek Hill and a crosser. You're going to create natural coverage voids, and that goes with what you're saying about Tua, being efficient, throwing the football to space. And now you're in a situation where you have to create positive angles. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. are you kidding me? You're not going to do it. It's such a great point. Consistently dangerous.
0: It's such a great point because when you watch San Francisco, like I love Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel is such a cool player. You know, all of the motion that they've used over the years, when you crank that juice factor up by, 1.5 1.8 and you're still doing all of that stuff when you're creating angles for yourself by structure and then you have angled destroyers as your receivers these issues start to compound for defenses the margin for error that that disintegrates and disappears when you're using all of that motion and making guys a half step late now you have guys on the field on offense that are two steps faster so we're getting pulled in two different directions here that aren't good for the teams that have to stop these guys.
2: No, I agree, and it creates you know conflict for, from a defensive play calling perspective too. Uh, you know because they're going to have man coverage gears if you if you line up in that, and the natural ability of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to simply run away from man coverage, and I don't think that's talked about enough. You know, because they're in practice in the week and, you know, you're going against the scout team and Friday you're in shells and they run across there and you undercut it against the scout team quarterback and it's a pick and everyone goes, hey, great play. It's awesome. Well, that's not how it looks on Sunday because Tyreek Hill <laughs> is so sudden at the line of scrimmage, Robert, that he creates natural separation out the football. Now you're in a foot race and you're not going to catch So we can run away from man coverage. You can do things like occupy the backside corner, run a deep out, run a deep curl, deep comeback now that corner is occupied and covered. And guess what? Now there's this huge space or vacated area in the middle of the field. We did it on matchup all the time and showing these plays. And it's much different to your point where you have someone that's two steps faster than everyone else in the field. Because now you're in a trail position. You can't get to the bottom hip to undercut that route anymore. And now it's a catch and run opportunity on a 15, 20-yard throw that can turn it into sixty.
0: So looking at it, I was fascinated by the man coverage numbers because this is going to be a trend as we go through this show, how as receivers travel from place to place, the ways that teams want to stop them travels from place to place, independent of who the quarterback can be or what the structure of the offense is. Last season, Tua was fourth in the NFL in the percentage of man coverage that he faces, about 35.3% of his dropbacks. This year, he's 20th. It's 23.2%. So the amount of man coverage that teams are playing against the Dolphins this year has dropped by about 12 percentage points. League-wide, it's down sure. 1%. And that, mm-hmm. that is it's such a stark difference in how teams are willing to play against them. And when you can limit how teams can defend you, now you're limiting the menu of things you have to worry about, what you can attack, all those things. It's just creating edges for yourself in so many different ways because teams are terrified to play man coverage with him on the field at any point.
2: And also gives you a tactical advantage from, from a defensive tendency perspective. You know what you're going to get, right? You know, or you already know what you're not going to get. Now, look, everyone in third, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I assume third and two to six, you're going to get more man coverage like everyone in the NFL in the low red zone inside the 10 yard line. A lot of people like to play man. It's understandable. But outside of those situations, you know, you're going to get three high zone. You're going to get some quarters. You're going to get some cover twos. So now you're in a situation where you have an advantage in your offensive game planning. This is what we're going to get based on the game situation. We know it's a low percentage of man. So now we have an opportunity to scheme up cover three all day or to scheme up cover two, whatever that opposing team is playing. And that gives you a, a major, major advantage because, to your point, teams are threatened by the speed of your wide receivers, by the accuracy of your quarterback, by the ability of the play calling of your head coach so they have to almost sit back in a way. And when you sit back in a way as an offensive play caller, you love it because you know what you're going to get. So let's create those open voids for our quarterback.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
0: So let's go to Philadelphia. Yeah, where mm-hmm. I think that similar questions coming into the season. Like how would this mesh? You know, you have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who just almost refused to throw the ball over the middle of the field last mm-hmm. season. You have a player in AJ Brown that lives in that area of the field. Yak opportunities in breakers off play action. I mean, that's where he destroyed people during his time in Tennessee. So, and beyond that, You have a team that was the run-heaviest team in the league for the last three quarters of last season. Now you trade for a $20 million receiver. How much are you going to use him? What does the structure of the offense ultimately look like? What have you thought so far of the marriage between A.J. Brown and what the Eagles want to be throwing the football?
2: I think it's excellent because it's also led to increased development from your quarterback in Jalen Hurts. And I'll say that about Jalen Hurts. Uh, His development this year is really – really interesting to look at because he is playing at an extremely high level in my opinion and we know that Jalen has dual threat ability you don't ever want to take that away from him because in today's NFL when you have a quarterback with mobility who can escape extend make plays with his leg off second reaction that gives you an advantage it gives you an advantage from a coverage perspective too and what teams are going to play against you especially in third and seven to ten situations but I'm really focused on his ability to read it out both pre-snap and post-snap, his ability to isolate the targets he wants, his movement within the pocket, and his willingness to keep his eye level up and drive the football to where it's supposed to go. I think he's playing excellent football right now at the quarterback position. I think you have to attribute some of that to the addition of A.J. Brown. Because here's the thing about A.J. Brown. He can play through contact at all three levels of the field. And that gives you an advantage, going back to what you said, the inbreakers, throwing the slant balls underneath. You're going to play press coverage. He's going to work through press coverage. You're going to put a body out in the middle of the field. He's going to work through that body. And also with A.J. Brown, as you've seen, not, I think you'll continue to see more of it actually as we get through the course of the season. When he wants to be a vertical stretch target, when you allow him to be a vertical stretch target, he can win down the field. You saw it in Tennessee last year. When he'd run slot phase or he'd run the outside vertical one on ones, so I think his addition, also playing through contact, the ability to produce after the catch, the ability to win in the middle of the field, has incredibly opened up that pass game. Now last week was different. Last week was different. We know that Jalen Hurts and, and Philadelphia pushed the balls to the edges in the pass game. I think that it had more to do with the interior of their offensive line to get the ball out with speed. They were dealing with some injuries. Yep. But as we've seen, the start of this year. Uh, A.J. Brown is a unique player to position. For me, he's very similar to someone like a Debo Samuel and how he can be deployed and utilized in an offense. Uh, and that has dramatically increased or strengthened the growth and development of the quarterback.
0: You look at the numbers in terms of those throws over the middle of the field. Last year, Jalen Hurts was 29th among 31 quarterbacks with at least 250 attempts and the number of his passes that went between the numbers. So dead, almost dead last in the NFL. This year is 21st of 34 quarterbacks. So, you know, not up near the top, but significant improvement in terms of how often he's willing to go to that area. And I think that AJ Brown has a pretty big hand in, in why that has happened. And what's mm-hmm. encouraging about this w- with both of these guys, and this is a, it's kind of anecdotal, but when you're watching these offenses, I can feel that AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill were guys that these two teams spent real resources to go get. A.J. Brown leads the NFL in the percentage of air yards that he's garnered from his quarterback. We already talked about Tyreek Hill's target share. If you look at the efficiency on these throws, A.J. Brown is averaging 0.36 EPA per target this year, which would make – that's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. That would be better than what Patrick Mahomes does every single throw. Tyreek Hill is at like 0.29. So the deployment, the usage, the focus, and the efficiency, all of those things combined – we feel the impact that these guys are having, play in, play out. And when you spend what these teams spent on these guys, that's exactly what you want to feel.
2: Yes, you do. I mean, given the amount of draft capital um, and the contracts that they've paid out to these two players, yes, you want them to be influential players in your offensive game plan. You want to create things in your game plan where you not are forcing the ball to them, but you're keeping count. Uh, of their touches throughout the football game because they can be such difference makers within your offense. And what that means also, I call them got to have it situations. Mm-hmm. You got to have a situation on um, offense is obviously third down or two minute, low red zone, whatever it may be. That's where you want the football to go, right? And if they're going to take it away, you're going to beat them and manipulate them with scheme and formation alignment or pre snap movement because you want to get them to the football. That's how much they are difference makers within your offense. And that's how much they are helping your pass game and your quarterback. So I think
0: that taking one step back from the nuts and bolts of this and just looking at it in a broader philosophical way, it's fascinating to me that two of the teams that made these moves are two teams with quarterbacks on rookie contracts, Intua and Jalen Hurts, and two teams that I think were kind of uncertain About whether those quarterbacks were going to be the guys in the future. Coming into this season, both of these teams had multiple first round picks. The Dolphins don't anymore. It's an entirely different conversation. But the Eagles did. And the Dolphins were setting themselves up to have some flexibility in the future. So by making these moves, you're solving two things. You're getting, you're filling out your receiver room with high quality talent. And then you're leaving no doubt in your team building plan about what you can get out of your quarterback when you give him enough help. And I think it's a really interesting way to approach this. Like, I don't think it's an accident. Both Both of those teams were in really similar situations from their team building plan, their timeline, and from how decisive they were about their quarterbacks heading into this. And I wonder if we can learn something about that for other teams moving forward that might find themselves in a similar position.
2: I know what team you're talking about, right? It's a team here in Chicago, right? <laughs> I, mean, I, I might
0: be. It has I, might to be, be right? I might be. Come on, I might. I've looked at i looked at DJ Moore's uh, base salaries over the last
2: three years about ten <laughs> times in the last twenty four hours. Oh man, no, but that that is a model. That is a model that it, we all know. That everyone in this league um, gravitates to successful things, whether it's personnel, scheme, coaching tree, um, and that is a model that's being built right now. There's no question about it. Because you're seeing the success that Miami has had offensively and that Philadelphia is having offensively with young quarterbacks. To your point, you went into the season not knowing if they were the absolute future of the franchise. I think that's fair to say. And the early results say that they are. When you surround them with with talent, with scheme, with players that can help their growth and development. So if you are looking at a team like the Chicago Bears, who right now have a roster of players that don't scare you, from an offensive perspective in terms of the <laughs> skill so politely. <laughs> yeah. That what can you do this off season with the amount of cap space you're going to have to make moves or, or to really go heavy into free agency to build around your quarterback who has shown us. He has the physical tools of the position. He brings a playmaking element to the position. And as we saw last Sunday, when he gets into rhythm, he can manage and run the offense successfully from the pocket. So, those are positive things if you're a Chicago Bears fan. If you see this happening other places in the National Football League, that you could be in that situation. I think the flip side argument, Robert, is because of how talented wide receivers are, starting in high school, playing seven-on-seven, seven, high school passing offenses, playing in pass-heavy offenses in college, and then seeing that early success in the rookie season, is that the direction to go, right? Now, all, we had this conversation at ESPN this offseason because – Year after year, we're seeing these high level draft classes. You know, players like Chris Alavi, Garrett Wilson, John Dotson has made plays this year, Drake London in Atlanta, Alec Pierce, who played at Glenbard West High School, my alma mater, who is making plays right now for the Indianapolis Colts. So, which route do you go? I, but, you know, for teams that gives you options, right? It gives you options, whether you're invest first, your second round draft capital in the wide receiver, or you're going to say, I'm going to go for the proven player. And that's what Philadelphia did this year, right? They did both. They had invested. Well, yes, yes. But they, the Eagles and the Dolphins yeah, did yeah. both. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Which is, is. I, I think it's, it's your, your point is very well taken, and I think that you could cut it either way. I just think it's hilarious that both of these teams spent a first-round pick on a wide receiver, and in Miami's case, spent two, because they traded up to go get Jalen Waddell, and then a year later, they traded first-round picks for superstar wide receivers, and were willing to pay them. So you but can goes, go at this in no both point, different right? directions.
2: Yeah, and that goes to another point, is your wide receiver depth. What you have yes. in the room matters because there's only so many 1A. That's how I look at it. You can't put every number one wide receiver in the same grouping with Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup. That's just not fair. There is a line drawn somewhere in the number ones where it's the A class and the B class. You can't just have a 1A because right now the Los Angeles Rams have a 1A. okay, And their passing game is really disjointed and it lacks rhythm. Now they have injuries on the offensive line, understand that. They signed Allen Robinson to be that number two, a high-level number two. When you don't get production out of your number two, it's hard to win in this league. And you're seeing it in Chicago right now. Chicago has Darnell Mooney, okay, who is their number one. I'll tell you, when you turn on the film and you watch the Bears in third and seven to ten and they're playing man coverage, there's not a lot of separation down the field. There is not. Okay, so you need guys that can make plays for the quarterback. You need guys that can make plays for the quarterback. And to your point, there are multiple ways to do it.
0: And I also think that you can go at this and, and spend on picks and make trades. And you can again, you can attack from two different directions like both these teams did. Free agency is not a place filled with high-level talent. We just know this. Uh, how many guys at receiver have come up for deals, their first deals, and been traded away? One. It's A.J. Brown. That's it. Devontae Adams mm. and Tyreek Hill are both on third contracts, and Devontae is, I think, maybe right. fourth contracts, creeping toward 30. The amount of money that these two teams would have been paying out is insane for players that are almost 30 years old. For the most part, all of these guys have been retained. It's DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, D- Debo Samuel, even guys Mike Williams, uh, Chris Godwin. Most of the time, these guys have been getting paid. So when you're shopping in free agency for a receiver you're shopping in the Kristen kirk bucket christian kirk is making 18 million dollars a year and he's been nice for jacksonville but those are the players that are left and those are the players that you have to pay a premium for so if you're a team like miami or like philadelphia and you're looking at this surplus money that is created from your rookie quarterback contract trades and going to get proven players is a way to weaponize that cap space in arguably a more efficient way because we know what these guys are. These are elite players. So even if you're spending a first-round pick to go get one of these guys and you're having to compound the resources that you're throwing into this, I still think it's an interesting, at the very least, way to think about how to use that cap space. The Bears have $115 million in cap space right now for 2023. You can't even try to spend all that in free agency. There's no way. You could be going around like a gun. I just did my wedding registry trying to put all that shit on there. There's no way you could like use the little gun on all the receivers available in free agency and even get to $115 million. There needs to be other ways that you can do this. And and I just think that what the Eagles and Dolphins did, it's hard not to look at that and say, ah, maybe. like they Maybe that is a way to
2: try to pull this off. Right. And I agree with your point of free agency, um, and I understand the hype around free agency every year because it creates hope, okay. Uh, but great players don't make it to free agency because they, they are retained by their teams or they are moved in this case that we've seen with a couple players, um, to other teams and rewarded with major contracts because they are that high level, okay. So that I agree with that point 100%. When it comes to free agency, if you're trying to rebuild the team through free agency, I played three years in Washington. Okay. And we did that every year. <laughs> and we did not win. Okay. So, and look, I was part of that, you know, and someone thought I was a good player and that was a mistake too. So there it goes, you know? Yeah. That's not, it's not a, it, it, you can't live building or doing your roster construction through free agency every March. You cannot do that. And high level players don't make it there for a reason because they are that high level.
0: I don't want to make any grand conclusions about this five games into the season these guys are 30 years old you are spending a potential you are the surplus you can create in value with a first round pick even if for guys drafted high in the first round is very real like Jalen waddle is probably worth more than the dolphins are going to pay him against the cap over the next four years so there's a chance that they lose out on some value as these guys start to decline because this this is going to be the best it's going to get for the most part with aj brown with with tyree kills Absolutely, and with A.J. Brown, potentially. So all those things are important to keep into account, and I don't want to be taking victory laps on this right now, but I just think it's worth pouring over like what all the considerations are as you're thinking about the resources that you have and the best way to unleash those resources. And I think that what these two teams did is at least an interesting way to do it. And you can contrast that with where the Raiders are because the Raiders were not in the same position that the Dolphins and the Eagles were, where they had these quarterbacks on rookie contracts and like, all right, well, if we have some money to spend and some resources to throw around, let's go get a receiver because we can afford it right now. The Raiders weren't necessarily in the same place as a team uh, in their team building process, but they still thought it was worth it to go get Devontae Adams. And you know, they have thrown a ton at him. He is currently fifth in the NFL right now in target share. So they've tried to build their passing game through him. But so far I would say the results from his performance, what they've gotten out of him and what their passing game has looked like has been uneven. They're they're 11th in EPA per drop back right now, Derek Carr is, a stat that I found really surprising. There are 73 players in the NFL right now with at least 25 targets. Devontae Adams is 68th in catch rate. And the efficiency on his targets has been good. I mean, he scored a bunch of touchdowns, all of that, but I think it's been more of a mixed bag. So when you look at way, the the way the Raiders have used Devontae Adams and what the returns have been so far, what has jumped out to you?
2: Well, a couple of things. I think the best tape to watch is week four when they played Denver. And the reason I say that is there was multiplicity in terms of his alignments. Um, You saw him as the boundary X, you saw him as the Z, it's the field side of the formation. They put him in the slot versus zone coverage. That's, you know, Sean Payton, one-on-one. That's what you've seen with Michael Thomas over his career there is you put him in the slot, and guess what? Versus zone coverage, that means there's an outside linebacker there. So you are going to win on the choice route, the option route, move the sticks. Um, I would like to see more pre-snap movement with him. I think at times it's too static, Robert. I think it's too static. I would like – you know, you, you saw it – I think last night you saw it in the deep crosser that he caught, they motioned down to a stacked line. One, you're giving him free access off the ball. Not that he needs it. But when you do that, you get into the route quicker. And again, you're running away from coverage in that situation and attacking a, a very big vacated area of the field. So I'd like to see more of that. Um, and I agree with you on the efficiency. I'm looking at the numbers here. Week two, you know, t- two receptions on seven targets for 12 yards. Now, he did have a touchdown. I understand that. That, that needs to be more efficient. Week three, five receptions on 10 targets for 36 yards. Again, to your point, he did have a touchdown in those games. Those are two games they also lost as well. Um, so last night, three of seven, we all know he had explosive plays last night and the, the double move, he ran the same route he did last year against Cincinnati. When he was with green Bay. It is nasty when you have a bracket and cause I've been in that situation when you have a bracket coverage, corner outside, safety inside, and it looks like the wide receiver is going to sit it down and break inside or run a hitch and you both stop. And then he runs past you. <laughs> So that, that is the worst <laughs> feeling to have is the defensive back because come the sideline, and there's nothing the to say. You, you kind of beat the scheme and beat you at the same time. This is a really bad play defensively. Um, and then the fourth down play they had to him last night. I thought that was an aggressive call. I thought that was a smart call given the, the youth and the Kansas City secondary. And again, based on game situation, anticipating man coverage. So let's take a shot. But I'd like more movement. Uh, we were talking before in terms of the coverages that Derek Carr and the Raiders are seeing. Especially if you're going to see two high coverages, I like to see him inside, more. inside where he has more free access off the football and can work the second level of the field. Because you can, we said before, scheme transcendent doesn't matter what offense he's in, but his usage and deployment does matter.
0: If they're using him a little bit less in the slot than Green Bay did last year, which is understandable. In three receiver sets, yeah. Renfro is a slot only player, and Renfro even missed time, and Adams has not been in the slot any more than he was in green Bay last year. So I think that's something to take into consideration. The numbers that jump out to me are, we talk about zone coverages and how you can kind of deploy those teams are playing man coverage against the Raiders at the second lowest rate in the entire NFL this year. And if you look at it, what it was last season, it was the 10th highest rate in the league. The biggest difference about what the Raiders were last year in the passing and what the Raiders are now is Devonte Adams So teams are looking at that and saying, well, we're just not going to play man coverage against Devontae Adams, and we're going to see if you can beat us. And just doing some quick math, I was looking at the percentage in cover two, four, and six against the Raiders this year. I want to say that the Raiders have seen that combination of two high coverages, I think, either at the highest rate in the NFL this season or the second highest rate in the NFL last this season. They're right there with the – Bengals, who we know all the cover two discourse that's happened with Joe Burrow so far this year. Right. And 18% of the Raiders snaps, they're seeing cover six, which is Mm -hmm. a combination, quarter, quarter, half. You've talked about this a million times. How can you deploy quarter, quarter, half or half, quarter, quarter against a true number one receiver like Devontae Adams is? Because I think a lot of teams are going that route right now.
2: You play the the cover two side to his alignment, Mm -hmm. and especially when he's a boundary X. Yep. And what I mean by the boundary X for your listeners, that's the backside receiver and three by one sets. So you have three receivers to the field side of the formation. Um, it's not as noticeable in pro football because of hashes, but in college football and high school, it's dramatic. Uh, the amount of space you have over there. And then to the backside of three by one, you have the X receiver. So when you're playing a cloud coverage, that's what it is. Whether it's cover six or three cloud, you want a corner at the, in a position, Robert to where he can jam and disrupt Devontae Adams at the line of scrimmage because then you have a safety over the top, and it's a zone coverage. Um, but that's what teams want to do versus a top receiver. I remember teams I, I played on that went against Randy Moss, it was always cover six, always, because that was our only chance, right? Let's try to disrupt, disrupt Moss at the line of scrimmage and put a safety over the top. And he really didn't want to be that safety. He really didn't want to be that guy. But, uh <laughs> That that's that that's the idea behind it, Robert. Look, we're gonna get hand. You can and look, as a as a cloud corner, you can be ultra aggressive, Robert. You can because that man coverage. If he slips you, uh, that's okay. You got a safety over the top, right? You're gonna open your hips, sink, take away like a, a corner out if they want to throw it, close that that, you know, that deep hole shot window and cover two, but go for it. You know, be physical, be nasty, try to put them on the ground. That's what I would say from a coaching perspective. So you got a safety over the top. Yes, you still want to play with technique. And mirror the release and do all the coachable traits that are part of playing that technique. But go after him because we got a safety over the top. I and mean, what that gives you now to the field is quarters. In today's NFL, quarters is it's almost a match based coverage. So that gives you, you know, four over three to the front side of the formation, two over one to the back side of the formation. That's all zone coverage is. A lot of times it's three over two and four over three. That's what zone coverage is. You get an extra defender, and with the amount of match coverage you're seeing in today's NFL, it's a really smart way to play football. And even if you play basic quarters to the front side, what that allows you to do is if they run an inbreaker, breaker it turns into a bracket because if number two goes under or out, now your safety is free to the quarter side. And if you run an inbreaker, breaker you can drive downhill and take it away. You can drive on cross. You can do a lot of different stuff to the quarter side of the formation knowing then we basically have two-on-one against Devontae Adams where he's the boundary X. Now let's say he's the Z. You're still getting hands on him. You still have his D-path safety over the top. Now you can take your backside quarter safety, right, and push him to the front side. So there's things you can do schematically and tactically with zone coverage, with match man-based principles within those zone schemes to influence the amount of targets that Devontae Adams gets and the amount of free access he gets off the football.
0: And that's the thing: is that they're still trying to feed him the ball, but teams are doing everything they can to take him away. You look at the the numbers against the Titans in week th- in week three. Titans played seven percent man coverage. They put it on five of sixty five snaps. Their two most prevalent coverages in that game: fourteen snaps of cover two, nine snaps of cover six. That's what they were doing. They're just saying we're not going to let this happen. We're going to put two a guy over the top of him every single play, and we're going to dare you to beat us another way. And I think that over time, you'll figure out what those problems look like. You know, the Packers had years and years and years of figuring out, all right, if they're going to try to take him away, what can we do to make sure we're manufacturing touches for him? I think the slot was a huge part of that. You look at the numbers that he's doing. He's in there about 30% of the time right now, which isn't that far removed from what it was in Green Bay. In Green Bay last season, he was targeted on 30% of his slot routes. This year, it's only 20%. So when he was there last season, they were throwing him the football and good things were happening. This It's not been the case this year. So with some more time, with some more trial and error and and getting to understand what works and what doesn't, hopefully this can get a little bit better. But I think the defense has done a really good job of saying we are not going to allow him to beat us and we're not going to play man coverage as a result of that. All right, let's get to the team that Devontae Adams just left and what they've been having to deal with this year, and that is the Green Bay Packers. You alluded to it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but where do you think this Packers offense is struggling the most without Devontae right now?
2: Well, I'll say this. I I think, and this can be argued by different opinions, but I think still Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league at identifying and throwing one-on-one. That was a huge part of their offense, Robert Devontae Adams. Whether it was a slot fade, whether it was a vertical outside one-on-one, we saw consistently when Rodgers would take that opportunity. And right now, that's missing from their offense. 100% that's missing from their offense. Now, we've seen situations uh, in the last couple of weeks where Romeo Dobbs has made some opportunities, right? He had an opportunity on the deep ball against the Patriots, didn't finish the play, but they came back to him on the red zone fade ball, throwing back shoulder. So is that a possibility? Yes, it is. And I brought up Christian Watson. You drafted Christian Watson at the top of day two to be that guy, in my opinion, to be the vertical stretch target, to have the ability to take the one on one whenever we wanted down the field. And they don't have that right now. I think it's a major part of their offense that's missing.
0: I was looking at some of these numbers, and it's amazing how much more man coverage teams have been willing to play in those high leverage moments against them without yeah. Devontae. Teams are playing 54% man against them this year on third down. It's the fourth highest rate in the league. Last year, it was 45%. So, in tick up 10 percentage points. And they've really struggled in those moments. There's just nobody open. Like you said, Rogers is 23rd in the NFL right now in EPA per dropback against man, ninth against zone. And I think that's a huge part of just not being able to trust anybody in those one on one matchups. And you see that consistently. And the other thing that I was fascinated by, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, talking about how quickly he was getting rid of the ball. In five-man protection this year, Rodgers is averaging 4.78 air yards per attempt, which is the lowest rate in the NFL kind of by far. When they're using six and seven guys in protection, it goes all the way up to sixth in air yards per attempt. He's 25th in EPA per drop back with five guys in protection. He's 10th when it's six or seven. And just anecdotally, if you think about what their offenses looked like, it kind of makes sense, right? When they use heavy play action and they're using more guys in protection, he's willing to wait and see things come open over the middle of the field. That's how they've created a lot of their explosive plays. But when he has to trust someone to get open quickly when they have five guys out in the route and it's not schemed up space, he is not trusting that right now. He's getting rid of the ball instantly, and it has really hamstrung what they've been able to do on offense.
2: I agree with that. I agree 100%. And that's why I brought up the Giants game the other day how ball, how quickly the ball was coming out of time in that offense. Well, it's throwing to the flat, it's throwing a quick slant, it's throwing a hitch, it's throwing a small crowd outside versus off man coverage, which you've seen them do, uh, especially at the end of the Patriots game. That's, that's what he's doing right now. And I think that's his belief. That's the best way to get these young wide receivers involved or to get other wide receivers involved and not bet on a longer developing route that takes nuance and savviness within the route tree and experience to do it. And the traits to do it, the separation ability, uh, the understanding of leverage and coverage. And I keep bringing up the young receivers because... Let's be honest, Robert, as this season progresses, you want to win the NFC North and you want to challenge the playoffs. Two young receivers have to be a part of this offensive structure. They have to be. And right now it's a little up and down.
0: I wanted to throw out one more number just because I thought it was so, so interesting. So with five guys in protection last year, Aaron Rodgers threw 115 passes to Devontae Adams. He averaged nine air yards per attempt on those throws And let them rip in about two seconds on average. So one of the quickest time-to-throws in the entire league while averaging nine air yards per attempt. On throws to everyone else, that number goes to 5.89 last season. So what happened is now the entire world is those throws that aren't to Devontae Adams. So when they had five guys in protection, he was so quick to trust him to be open that they're pushing the ball down the field. That has been completely removed from the equation. So now you see the entire – every throw that wasn't to Devontae last year is their entire offense. And that's kind of aligns with the numbers. And that extends to empty more than any other situation. Last year, Devontae got 32 targets and empty. He averaged 12 air yards per target on those throws. This year, 44% of Rodgers' empty targets have been at or behind the line of scrimmage, which, was 30, which is 31st in the NFL. Last year, it was 18%. That it, means
2: this, they're the, throwing screens and smokes, right? That's, that's what they are doing.
0: That's <laughs> it. And it's just they're not they, – all of those throws that they were pushing the ball to him last year because they were advantage throws where they could really push the ball down the field, all those slot fades that you saw, him just saying, yes. I know instantly that he's going to be there, and I'm just going to lay it out. Those throws have been removed from the equation. And all of these numbers are, they were so striking when I was looking at them because you can feel this. When you watch them right now, you can feel all of these things in the bones of what they are on offense. And I guess my question to you is do you think this can get better?
2: I think it has to get better. One name I'll bring up. And look, I I think Matt LaFleur has done a really good job this year in terms of his running back deployment, you know, using. Aaron Jones and A.J. AJ Dillon on the field at the same time. I think that does give you tactical advantages in what you can do for a run pass perspective. Is that player, and this is just you and I talking, is that player Aaron Jones? Is Aaron Jones someone that can unlock, so to say, their pass game a little bit? when well, we see more versatility with him in terms of his utilization as a wide receiver, where he's flexed the slot, where he goes out of the backfield in motion to create a matchup you like, where you can stretch him vertically a little bit. Look, I've seen on tape Aaron Jones run backside fade balls from the next alignment. We've seen him run wheel routes out of the backfield. We've seen him run sail routes out of the backfield. Is that one way they're going to have to kind of lean on right now until you see more development with the young wide receivers? to create more explosive play opportunities. Because it's hard to win football games when you're throwing screens and smokes. It's hard. It's hard to go all the way down the field, Robert, when you're throwing hitches and slants. Because, again, from a defensive perspective, I'm probably going to give you those against Aaron, against Aaron Rodgers, Robert. Okay, you want to throw a hitch? Well, just be tackling. Eventually, you're going to get impatient. Eventually, you're going to make a mistake. Or eventually, the offense is going to get in a negative field position and negative down a distance situation because of a penalty. And now I really got you. Because you can throw three hitches, and I'm still going to get off the field on third down. So you have to have that element to where you can threaten teams. And, again, it doesn't mean – throwing 50-yard bombs down the field like we talked about. It means being efficient in your passing game. But Being able to attack second-level windows is so big in today's NFL. And right now, those aren't 2nd Those throws you're talking about, Robert, are not second-level window throws. They're underneath throws. This is very hard to do. And after a while, those wide receivers are going to get tired of getting hit. I hate to say it, they are. Because I'm going to keep coming downhill and putting my pads on them consistently. And tell them if I'm a coach. Tell them my defensive lineback- defensive uh, backs and linebackers to so just consistently put your pads in these guys until they shut down.
0: So Aaron Rodgers is currently 21st in EPA per dropback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is first. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs have the most efficient passing game in football without Tyreek Hill. Why have the Chiefs been able to thrive without Tyreek Hill in a way that the Packers have not been able to thrive without Devontae Adams?
2: Well, I think you have to start with Mahomes and the talent he has and the scheme he's playing in and Travis Kelsey. I mean, let's be honest, Travis Kelsey is the number one wide receiver right now. Um, Yes, he's a tight end, but you saw last night uh, where he flexes from the formation consistently and how they will be multiple in the route combinations they use. Last night it was in the low red zone area of the field. We know Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in the NFL at scheming deep crosses and overs and manipulating one side of the field so he can get that coverage void for Patrick Mahomes. And I think they've done a good job in trying to somewhat recreate Tyree Hill in the aggregate, right? Marquise valdez scaling is your vertical stretch option, okay? And a much better route runner than giving credit for, in my opinion. Juju Smith-Schuster gives him something different that he did not have the past couple of years. He's a physical player in the slot. I think he's more explosive than giving credit for. Uh, I think he's more than willing to work the dirty areas of the field, meaning – making contested catchers or making catches in traffic when he knows someone is going to drive downhill and try to bury him after the catch. Mecole Hardman is still a vertical player for them that gives them that horizontal stretch ability when you use them on motion and movement, pre snap. And Sky Moore is a very young player. which you saw last night, there are ways the manufacturer throws to Sky Moore where he can produce after the catch, when he can turn a wide receiver screen or a quick flat ball into a first down. I think they did a good job of putting together a group of personnel that is not Tyreek Hill, but still allows them to be efficient from an offensive perspective within the structure of Andy Reid's offense.
0: The, the, the Travis Kelsey point is the first one that I come back to. I went back and watched the Tampa Bay game again today because the mm-hmm. Raiders game wasn't on all 22 yet. So I was like, all right, what, what game can I go back and watch here? Right. And you watch the, how central he is to their passing game. How they're putting him in motion consistently, motioning him into bunches and stacks, giving him free releases, giving him matchups. He is the centerpiece of how they want to throw the football. He's, I think he has a 25% or so target share, about a quarter of their throws this season. Mahomes has a .72 EPA per drop back on throws to Travis Kelsey. That's twice as efficient as the most efficient quarterback in the league, which is him. (laughs) <laughs> Every throw that they do to Kelsey is one of the most efficient things you can do in football right now. And I think that we just, I personally, I'm guilty of this, did not give that enough credit that even if you right. remove Tyreek Hill from this equation, Ta- Travis Kelsey is one of the best players in the NFL and has been for the last eight years. He is one yes. of the best players of the decade. He is a defining player of this era. And if we're not going to be able to build this around Tyreek, at least we can build it around Travis. And that is what they're doing right now. And a couple other layers to it that I think are so fascinating. So by the way, this is Travis Kelsey stat: on third down this year, he has a third of their targets, 15 of 45, 12 catches for 152 yards and 10 first downs on those 15 targets on third down, That's which is pretty amazing. good. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good <laughs> weapon to have in the high leverage moments yeah. in games. Okay. So teams. Now we talked about how the dolphins are seeing a ton less man coverage with Tyreek Hill last season. Teams played man coverage twenty five percent of the time against the Chiefs. It was the twenty second highest rate in the league. This year, it's number one. Forty percent, more than forty percent of their snaps, they're seeing man coverage. So they have guys in MVS in Nicole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster. They're like, these guys are good enough. You know, they're not superstars, but they can consistently win matchups that we make that we create for them. And the other thing I thought was fascinating. Mahomes has thrown 44 passes outside the numbers to a wide receiver this season. Mm. That's the same number as Cooper Rush and Joe Flacco. The only guys at quarterback who are full-time starters who've thrown more passes to receivers outside the numbers this year are Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, and Lamar. They just don't throw inefficient passes. They do such an incredible job of exploiting efficient areas of the field. And when you combine that with Patrick Mahomes being from another planet, Travis Kelsey being one of the greatest receiving talents we've ever seen in professional football, and a really good offensive coordinator, you still see the best offense in the league. And it has been remarkable to see all of that kind of converge into this final product without Tyreek Hill on the field.
2: Yeah, and you bring up a great point. Uh, You know, the combination of Mahomes, the scheme he plays in, Uh, when I was still doing the matchup show for ESPN and we would go through Greg Cosell and I on the games we wanted to do each week. Every week we said, well, we can do Kansas city again because they have, (laughs) I mean, there's always a play to do. That's a, that, that show is hard at times because sometimes you you have to have the pictures, right? It's one thing to say, we're going to do Rogers throwing this ball. Well, if you don't have the right picture, you can't really do it on TV. There was always pictures for Kansas city. I mean, you could have done them every week. Robert. Every week we could have had a breakdown on an NFL matchup show about Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs. Could have been Hill, could have been Kelsey, could have been Robinson. I mean, just start naming players because that's how well schemed they are, and that's how talented Patrick Mahomes is. And that's not even including Robert, the plays he makes outside of structure. Yeah. Because those are unpredictable. You can't really scheme for them as a defensive player. You can't. You can't and one, you can't prepare for them. How do you prepare for that in practice? I want to know because you can't, you can't, you can't. What are you just going to have a quarterback run around for a couple minutes and throw the ball? That's not how it works. (laughs) That's not what Patrick Mahomes does. He is so good at the ability to escape, extend and make plays at the second and third level of the field from any platform and any arm angle he wants. So that's the, that's like the, that's the, uh, on top of the scheme, on top of Patrick Mahomes, on top of, what they have at the skill positions, there is that part that you always have to account for, that you can't really technically prepare for, but it is a major part of their offense.
0: And I think that, you know, obviously, I think a, a retort to that, which in my mind would be, well, Rogers is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Why can't he transcend some of this stuff? But having Kelsey and what that means, mm-hmm. I think is so important because it brings me to kind of a wide range of conclusion about this whole thing. It is so crucial to have a guy that you can build your passing game through. Yes. And I think all of these teams have that now, even without Tyree kill, the chiefs still have that. The dolphins now have that with Tyreek kill. The Eagles now have that with AJ Brown. The Raiders have that with Devontae Adams. Even if it's been a little bit uneven, the Packers don't have that. They do not have that guy to build their passing game through. And I think that you see that huge hole in what they are compared to what Kansas city can be, even if they both have truly elite quarterbacks, MVP level quarterbacks. So it's fascinating. I mean, just like where these teams are and the, the boost that some have gotten and how defenses have changed the way that they're playing against these guys because of the players that are or are not on the roster. Uh, to me, it's one of the more intriguing elements of the entire season so far. And I cannot, I'm, cannot thank you enough for taking the time out to let me chew on this with you because I had a great time. So Matt Bowen, thank you very, very much.
2: Thank you, Robert. Be good. All
0: right, guys. That's all we got. Really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you guys did as well. Thank you very much for Matt's time. We will be back tomorrow with me and Greg Rosenthal from the NFL Network and around the NFL. Can't wait to chat with Greg. In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would, we're doing a ton more YouTube stuff. Nate did a great wind the clock today on the Saquon Barkley catch against the Packers. That was a very cool design. That's where you can watch the extended version of those videos on our YouTube channel. We'll be doing another Thursday night recap show of Bears and Washington on Thursday. I know you guys want to hear that. I, I, I want to do it. So make sure that you subscribe so you can come check that out. In the meantime, really appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk to
2: you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.